The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. There was a fellow that was a Rebbe for many years in California. A fantastic Rebbe. One of those Rebbeim who made a tremendous impact on his students. And he taught in a day school, a school that actually had boys and girls together. And he was beloved. And eventually him and his family relocated to a different state where he continued his Arbatza Satara. He continued to be a master educator. And everyone in town loved him. He was a talented, amazing, wonderful person. His family got larger. The expenses increased. Children to sent to high school, tuitions, seminaries, weddings looming. And he was always concerned. He barely was making it at that point. What's going to be when the expenses just go through the roof? And one day, a friend of his approached him, a very wealthy friend, and he said to him, I work in the nursing home space, and I'm about to open a new nursing home and I need a really wonderful executive director of that nursing home. He says, you have all the skills to be successful in this job. You have people skills. You're detail-oriented. You're a quick learner. You're beloved. You're a great communicator. I could tell that you would be amazingly successful at this job. I know you've never done it before, but I have 100% confidence that you can do it, and you can do it well, and I'm offering you the position. Think about it. It's a very high-paying position. I'm just sharing exactly the details the way I heard it. And he offered to pay him $1,000 a day, a salary of over $300,000 a year. And now this Rebbe had a tremendous dilemma. He loved teaching. He loved his students. He loved connecting them to the Rabbi Shalom and being Marabit's Torah on one hand. But the finances we know of Torah educators are far from in order. And here he had the opportunity to live out the next few financially turbulent years in relative financial security. What should he do? No one could ever fault him for not trying because he gave many, many years to his students. And he came home that evening and he talked to his wife and he says, what should I do? On one hand, I really want to continue teaching. I love it and I'm a great teacher and I'm very successful and I know it. On the other hand, there's a lot of expenses coming up. We have no way to pay them. As it is, we're struggling now. This is really an opportunity to have Parnassah Berevach, to have a livelihood that's comfortable and really will free us to be able to live anxiety-free. What should I do? Back and forth. And initially they both said, we're not doing it. You can't give up your job as a Rebbe. There's no price tag that could be placed on the importance and the precious position of a Rebbe. But later that white night, his wife had a thought. And she said, listen, what I would recommend you do is take the job for three years. Then you go back to being a Rebbe. In those three years, you'll make close to a million dollars. We'll continue living on the standard we're living on now will be able to put away over half a million dollars. And that half a million dollars will help us marry off our children, support some of our children in Kailo, send our daughters to seminary, our boys to yeshiva and Eretz Yisrael. Just three years. And then you'll literally go back to where you started. On one hand, it made a little bit of sense. But he couldn't bring himself to tear himself away from what he did. And he was so confused. The fellow who offered him the job gave him a deadline and he had to come back with an answer by that deadline. As it would happen... They had a wedding in Los Angeles. In the interim, they went to the wedding in Los Angeles, they booked their tickets, and they had an extra day. And his wife says to him, you know what, we used to live here in San Diego, that's where they left. lived many years ago. It would be so nice to go back to San Diego, we haven't been there in so many years, to see the community, you were so beloved there, everyone loved you and everyone connected with you. I'm sure many of the students are older, their families are there, everyone will love to see us. Come, let's drive to San Diego. And he thought it was a great idea. They rent a car, they get into the car, and they begin the drive from Los Angeles to San Diego. On the way, all of a sudden, he gets really tired. 
So he pulls over into a rest area, and in the rest area, there's a Starbucks. And he goes into the Starbucks, and he walks up to the barista, and he says, I'd like to order a black coffee. And the barista looks at him and says, no problem. And while she's preparing the coffee, she looks at him and she says, you're a rabbi, no? He says, I am a rabbi. How can I help you? So she says, I'm Jewish. I'm not religious. I'm not observant. But I'm Jewish. And I want you to know something. I'm engaged. My fiancé is a Jew as well. And we're really disconnected. And we need a rabbi to officiate. Can you recommend a rabbi that can officiate? He begins to talk to her. It's an interesting conversation. Intriguing that a Starbucks barista is Jewish and that she's looking for someone to officiate. And they talk for a little bit. And she shares and she says, I want you to know something. Even though I'm disconnected from my roots and I'm really not observant, but you should know that I did go to a Jewish day school. And when I was in day school, I had an amazing rabbi as a teacher. And he shared with us the importance of marrying a Jew. And he made every kid in the class promise that they would marry a Jew. We were, I was a young girl then, but I never forgot my promise. And I never dated non-Jews. And look, it worked because now I'm engaged to a nice Jewish guy and we're going to get married. And that's why, Rabbi, we need somebody to officiate. The rabbi hears this and he turns white in the face. And he says to the girl, who, who was the rabbi? What's your name? She shares her last name. He gets even whiter. Who, who was your teacher that told you that? That had you make the promise? And she says, it was Rabbi. And she says his name. And he looks at her and he says, look at me a little bit more carefully. <gasps> she cannot believe it. She quickly tells one of her co-workers to cover for her. He says, come, I want you to meet my wife. And they begin a conversation. To make a long story short, this was his own student so many years earlier. And the investment that he made a decade earlier, more than a decade earlier, was paying coming to fruition and it was paying dividends at that point. After they exchanged numbers and promised to keep in touch and that he would help her with a Masada Kedushin, with someone to officiate, he gets into his car and he starts driving to San Diego and he looks at his wife and his wife looks at him and they both nod in unison. He was not taking that nursing home job. He was staying right where he belonged, being Marabit's Tyra, connecting Jewish children to the Rabbi Shalalim and continuing to do God's work. And there would be challenges. And there would be difficulties. And it wouldn't always be smooth. Because when we're mechanich, when we educate other people's children, and when we educate our own children, it's not a smooth road. There's bumps and there's curves. But it doesn't exempt us from putting in our effort, even though it's difficult. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to Inspire.org.